G'day audience, bit of a bit of a weird Icelandic song <laughs> to start off the week. So I apologise for the absent podcast last week, I actually thought I posted one but it just didn't come through so I'll probably just do a double one this week at some point. Um, and this week's podcast is going to be all about, you know, in the title... The title of the podcast is called My Investing Mistakes, and then the mistakes are in, you know, quotation marks, apostrophes, whatever, not that good at English, but it's not to be arrogant about the fact that they weren't mistakes, it's just that a mistake in investing is when you invest in a company and, you know, you have your thesis, whatever, you're investing for this reason, And then you are forced to sell at a loss and just call it a day. That's what I consider a mistake. It's okay to make little mistakes about when, you know, you think something is as cheap as it's going to get or when you think a stock's going to start to rise, things like that. I don't think they're mistakes. They're just timing issues. You haven't made a mistake, right? You might have bought a stock because you thought it cheap and it might have been cheap, but it wasn't the cheapest it could possibly get. And the reality is you are never going to buy in at the lowest price and you are never going to sell at the peak. It's just, that's always everyone's goal. You know, you look at the stock chart, you go, well, if I bought at this exact point, sold at this exact point and make 100%, actually doing that is really hard to do and kind of pointless, right? We've, we've got at least a one-year time horizon. The reason is because when you hold a stock for more than a year, you get 50% off on the tax that you have to pay, which is almost always worth holding on to for at least a year. So our time frame's a year. We're not really worried about these kind of trader-like patterns of lows and highs. So I define a mistake as where you invest in a company and you're pretty much forced to sell out at a loss because you've either been holding it for so long that, you know, it just doesn't look like it's going to turn around or it's just it's just a complete loss of money because of a bad investment. That's what I call an investment mistake. And the reason I've got it in apostrophe marks in the title is because, you know, I'm feeling some heat on Instagram. I, I I feel that a few of the stocks that I've put on the Insta page, you know, haven't really lived up to the expectations. And that's why we're going to dive into those, I guess, mistakes in this podcast. So let's start with the elephant in the room, A2 Milk. So A2 Milk has been absolutely pummeled. There is almost no other way to describe it. It has just been completely crushed. It's down 70% from its highs. And so let's dissect what's happened here. You know, there's Daegu, there's all these factors, but let's not look into the A2 investment case. Let's look more generally at what kind of, you know, from an investing standpoint, what we could have done, what I could have done better. This is just, this is just my soliloquy for you guys, if you will. So the first thing is buying in kind of fragments, okay? 
And I know it's really hard to do when you start out because when you start out, you're probably, you know, putting a set amount, be it $500, be it $1,000 into each idea that comes up. And other than that, you know, you're not really multi-buying or, you know, you don't have a lot of cash at your disposal to buy, you know, lots of different fragments. But that's okay because with time, as you stick at this, you'll notice your portfolio size gets so big that you start to, you know, buy stocks in, you know, maybe $3,000 segments, and then you can start to fragment. You can even start to fragment it out into $500 segments. I think buying a bit of a stock for $500 at a time is reasonable. And a lot of people go, oh, but what about the, you know, what about the transaction fee? I don't, I don't think it matters too much. Realistically, like if your transaction fee, if your transaction fees are through Commonwealth Bank and you're paying, you know, 10 or $30 a transaction, then yeah, maybe buying in $500 bits isn't good. But for the most part, if you have an interactive broker's account, you can buy in $500 segments, pay like five, $5 for Australian shares each trade or a dollar for US shares each trade, whatever. Anyway, the main point I'm trying to get at is that the first thing you should always do is buy in segments. And there are simplistic ways and there are complicated ways, but essentially what I like to do is is I think of, okay, how much do I want this position to be in total by the end of, you know, once I'm done buying, okay? And I'll pretty much split it into a third, a third, and a third. So as soon as I find a stock that I kind of like and it's in my, you know, it's a cheap stock, it's in my kind of price range, I'll put one third of what I want my total final position to be at. I'll buy 33% of that total amount in the first instance. And then... You know, I'd be lying if I said I had some sort of formula that I use, but realistically, you then just kind of gauge it. If it goes down another, like once it goes down another 25%, I'll probably buy, you know, another quarter, say. And then if it goes down 50%, I'm pretty much all in. And so you can figure out the nitty gritty details in between there. But what you want to do is you want to buy slowly in little pieces and you actually want to buy more as it gets lower. So it's always good to have an initial position. You buy an initial amount, initial position, and then if that stock, you know, slides like A2 has, you want to have enough cash in your arsenal to be able to add to it as it gets lower. Because remember, as the price gets lower, your future returns are going to get higher. Let's say A2 milk goes back to where it was, let's say, let's just call it 20, 18 bucks. Okay? If you bought it at $10, you're looking at an 80% return, which is pretty good. Whereas if you bought it at $6, you're looking at a 300% return if it goes back to that $18. So your returns exponentially get better the lower the price you pay. So much so that even like a 10% difference in the price you pay can have massive effects on the long run kind of returns you get from that investment. So you want to be able to buy more as it gets lower. So that's the first little lesson to learn from A2. Don't just buy the whole position straight out the gate. If that's what you did, take it as a learning lesson. It's all right. This is this whole thing is a journey and you will get, you know, you'll feel the pain sometimes and other times you'll be sweet. The other thing we can learn from A2 is that when you're uh 
profitable company and you've kind of maxed out your margins. So like we said, when you're a growth company, you know, you're losing money. And then over time, slowly, as your growth slows down, you start to focus more and more on profitability and your profit margins and free cash flow margins steadily increase. And then they plateau. You eventually kind of max out what kind of profit margins you can get. Now, A2 was in that boat. It started at 6% or was that like 0% free cash flow margins like maybe nine years ago. And then it just steadily improved them to about 20%, 22% free cash flow margins. And from there, it kind of flattened out. They maxed out, you know, their profitability. What happens when you reach that point is the market and during that transition, so when you're a growth company losing lots of money, you're valued on the sales. It's all about the sales, the sales multiple, the growth rate. And then as you become more profitable, it becomes all about the free cash flow multiple. And you start to get valued purely on your free cash flow. Now let's let's see why A2 Milk got smashed so hard. A2 Milk got smashed so hard because about six months ago in August, it originally forecast, you know, one point saying sounded like they said growth on $1.8 billion. So they were forecasting like around $2 billion in sales. And then with that 22, let's call it 20% free cash flow margin, that it that came out to $400 million in free cash flow. So the company was being valued on that $400 million of free cash flow at about like a 35x multiple. And then what happened was that as these kind of issues occurred, so the issues are that A2 Milk gets a big portion of their Daigu sales from, big portion of their Australian New Zealand segment sales from Daigu. They, they think they said it was like 70%. And so COVID obviously shut that down. And then, you know, there's some queries about Australia-China tensions. I'm not really buying it, but that kind of shut down. That kind of, I guess, hurt their China sales. In reality, what's happened is people bought a lot of A2 when COVID hit as like pantry stocking, and now they just don't need it as much anymore because they've already got a lot of it. Anyway, so what happens, mainly focusing on what we can learn here. So you become purely valued on a free cash flow multiple a multiple of the free cash flow you're going to make. And so what happened at A2 was they downgraded their sales forecasts and they downgraded it and they downgraded it. It's probably the most downgrades I've ever seen ever. And I want you to understand that what's happened with A2 is probably one of the kind of worst short-term issue scenarios I've seen in my, you know, six, seven years. It's, it's a nasty one. They don't usually go this bad they don't usually last this long, but that's for another day. And anyway, and so what has happened is as their sales forecasts have come down, their free cash flow forecasts have also come down. And so what's happening is their free cash flow forecasts are coming down. And every time that comes down, the market is is valuing the company based on that free cash flow. So it's free cash flow decreases, all right, this stock has to decrease. And so even if the multiple stayed constant, the stock would keep going down as the free cash flow. They use EBITDA, but their EBITDA is pretty much is 70%. Their free cash flow is 70% of their EBITDA, essentially. And so as the free as the EBITDA forecast went down, the free cash flow forecast came down, and so the stock came down with it. And then also along the way, 
the multiple has shrunk. So you had that double whammy, and we've talked about this before. When pessimism kicks in, you get a double whammy hit. You have a short-term issue, the free cash flow drops, the market lowers the valuation because the free cash flow is declining, and then on top of that, the multiple they give that free cash flow shrinks because they're pessimistic. And so what you have is A2 was being valued at like 35, 36 times their free cash flow when the times were good and they had maxed out their free cash flow, maxed out their profit margins. And now you've got A2 being valued at like 14 times their reduced, their suppressed free cash flow. If you used A2 Milk's free cash flow last year, it's currently being valued at nine times the free cash flow they had last year. And that's what pessimism can do. And that's what you kind of have to understand about how the market works. When you're a value stock, you get valued on the free cash flow. So when you're a value company and you have a short-term issue, you get smashed because your free cash flow collapses because of the short-term issue. And then, you know, the stock has to... let's say the multiple even stays the same, the stock will fall as that free cash flow falls. It almost mimics it. And then the multiple gets shrunk on top of that. And so you just get these collapses. It's so intense. Same as same thing has happened to Appen. It was at like $46 and now it's at like 10. Same thing. It was at like 60 times free cash flow, which is a crazy number. And then they kind of had reduced growth and their free cash flow margins shrunk a little bit as well. And then you got the multiple decline, the multiple shrunk. And so the stock just slid, you know, 80%, just like that. So those are the main lessons to learn from A2. Okay, general lessons. The other lesson to take is that you'll notice that the declines are getting smaller. So with every bit of bag, every downgrade, the amount the stock has fallen has been a little bit less than has been less than the time before, especially given the severity. So today's announcement, you know, it was a pretty bad announcement. You know, they said, oh, the cross-border e-commerce is down like 60% or something nasty like that. You know, these issues might last until, you know, June next year. We're going to take all these hits to inventory that's built up, blah, 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 blah. It was pretty bad news. And the stock only fell 10%. Yet last time they downgraded, the stock fell 20% and they were only downgrading their sales guidance by like 10% lower than it was before. And so you'll see that when you're an expensive stock, we've talked about this a hundred times, when you're expensive stock, the expectations are higher. So any shortcoming in those expectations leads to a massive pullback. But then as the stock gets cheaper and the expectations get lower and lower, the stock actually doesn't get hurt as much anymore because there is so much pessimism built into the price that it you know just doesn't really fall as much anymore so those are the main a2 milk lessons the next one i want to talk about is my deal so my deal i thought was reasonably priced and the reason i thought it was reasonably priced was because of relative valuation now we've when we did relative valuation so many episodes ago, probably almost like nine months ago, we talked about relative valuation. And one of the dangers of relative valuation, you know, so just to recap, relative valuation is when you're looking at a company to value and you look at similar companies 
and you use the multiples of those similar companies to value yours. Where, And then the problem with relative valuation is that when everything gets contracted, when everything pulls down, there's no, there's like it all comes down together. And so that's exactly what's happened with my deal. All the tech and online commerce and marketplaces were, you know, being valued at insane valuation. Similar companies to my deal were being valued at like 12 to 15 times sales. And so when I looked at my deal at six times sales, I thought it was quite reasonably priced. And look what's happened since. Every growth stock essentially has been absolutely pummeled. If you're looking at your portfolio and you know some of your stocks, and that's why I'm not too upset about the things like A2 and my deal is because, yeah, they're down a fair bit, but they're now actually overly pessimistically priced. Like my deal is on a sales multiple of like 2.7, and yet it has gross margins of like 100%. It has no costs of sales. And so it can easily achieve free cash flow margins of 20, if not 30%. And so when you look at their sales and you annualize it out. So, you know, in the most recent quarter, they pretty much had $11 million worth of sales. If you times that by four, you get $44 million in annual sales. And the thing about that, that is actually being conservative because the biggest quarter for retail sales, any sort of commerce sales is the October, November, December quarter. And the January, February, March quarter isn't too bad, but it's a notoriously not great kind of part of the retail time. And so the most recent quarter for my deal was that January, February, March, and they got $11 million worth of sales there. So if you annualize that out, that's $44 million in revenue for the year. And then if you put a 20% free cash flow margin on that, you're looking at about... $10 $10 million, let's say, in free cash flow. And yet the company, with its amount of cash on its balance sheet, it ends up being tra- as though it's trading at like a 15x because they've got a market cap of $150 million currently. They got $40 million worth of cash, so take that away. So the actual company is being worth, is being valued at 110 mil with $10 million of free cash flow let's call it $5 million of free cash flow, you're still looking at a multiple less than 20. And this is for a marketplace that is the leader in the space. And I love marketplaces so much. And so you can see my deals multiple went from like a six, which was cheap compared to everything else on the market. And it's now sitting at like a two and a half times sales multiple. And then the theoretical free cash flow multiple has gone from like a 50 to a tw- less than 20. And so I guess the main lesson there is that relative valuation is depend because it's relative, it's dependent on the state of the market and the state of an industry. And in this case, growth stocks just in general have been getting hit really hard, especially in Australia. I'm not sure why in Australia, the, you know, the Australian tech stocks have been particularly slammed, but I guess the the kind of the story going on is that as everything reopens up, everyone's going to ditch technology completely and they're just going to go back to buying stuff in store and stuff, which is which is 
bullshit. Like, no one's going to go to a store. Now that, if anything, COVID made us all realize that life's just way better when you can just get everything online. Well, that's what I think, at least. And so I think my deal is exceptionally cheap. And that's why it's good to buy in segments, because essentially you bought it at a reasonable price. It's now at an exceptionally cheap price. And you want to make sure you have the cash available to buy it at that exceptionally cheap price if you maybe jump the gun too early. And you will. You'll always jump the gun a bit too early. But what matters is is that in one, two, three years, that company is worth more than it is today. And I am quite comfortable that all the companies that might not have done so well recently will do really well over the long term. There is There is no doubt in my mind about that. We talked about it when the podcast first started, if you've been listening from the start, that these growth stocks, they're great when they're great, but when they're bad, they're bad. And that's just the state of the market at the moment. Everyone is just off. They're off SPACs. They're off tech. They're off cloud. They're off anything that was working, essentially. Anything that was good a year ago is now just just completely dead. And it's all about you know, the value stocks and the reopening trade. And honestly, my my opinion on that is that a lot of the value stocks, or I'll put it in, I've got some air quotes going right now, value stocks, they're not value stocks anymore. If anything, the value stocks are now way too expensive and the growth stocks are cheap. It's crazy. If you learn anything from this, it's how quickly the market can change its mind on things. And like I said, the only way you do poorly at this is when you get an irreversible loss. It's okay to be down for a bit. So it's okay for, you know, A2, you know, you're looking at your A2 and it's down 40%, you know, probably because of some podcast guy you listened to. And if you hate me, I totally understand that. Like, I get it. It sucks. And it's hard to watch and it's hard to see. But at least you're not holding, you know, an electric vehicle stock that's down 80% and has no sales at all and has probably a lot more years in order to recover. Whereas today, you know, you're holding your A2 stock today. Your A2 stock is at a, I know I've said this a hundred times before and you're all probably thinking, fuck this guy, he's got to give up. (laughs) Know when to quit. But the valuation is just exceptionally cheap. Like I said, A2 is on nine times last year's free cash flow. My deal is on like a 15x theoretical free cash flow. Like all these things are so cheap. And it would have been, you told me three months ago that they would get this cheap that quickly. I would have, would have, wouldn't have believed you. And so, and this is the other thing. It's about when you're, the other thing to learn about A2 Milk, actually another lesson is that it's all about your mindset, right? If, okay, so if you don't look at short-term issues as buying opportunities, if that's not how you think, then yes, you wouldn't be in this position with A2 being down, blah, blah. But you also would have missed out on a lot of opportunities. So all of the clothing stocks we talked about, I talked about at the start of the podcast, Upwork, Revolve, all the things that are up like 200, 300%, you wouldn't have bought any of them if you didn't have the mentality of, oh, this is a short-term issue, this is an opportunity. And so while it might be, you know, painful to, you know, have had that same mentality lead you into A2 milk or whatever, and now you're like down and it hurts, it's more about the mentality that counts over the long term in terms of your investing career. 
Do you know what I mean? If 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 you weren't someone who went, oh, I'm going to buy stuff when they're cheap or I'm going to buy stuff when they're down or I'm going to buy stuff when there's a short-term issue, if you weren't like that, well, then you would have been like, well, I'm only going to buy stuff that's like doing really well. And you'll essentially end up buying all the hype stocks that are, you know, exploding up and you will burn hard because at the end of the day, no tech stock has done well in the last three, four months. Okay, I would say most of the kind of small, medium-sized tech stocks that like a lot of investors essentially go after, a lot of them are down. It's normal for them to be down like 40%. Like Zoom, which was the beacon of hope in amongst COVID, is down 40%. Etsy, down like 30%, 40% from its highs. And it's unfortunate that, you know, you might have bought in in the last three months and that's right probably been pretty much the worst time to do that but that timing you're not going to have that kind of bad timing over and over again forever it was just at the start bad timing whatever it's not going to happen again and so it's only going to get better it's like a zigzag it's not going to just go down and keep going down forever it's going to eventually recover and so just keep your mentality focus on taking advantage of short-term issues and you'll be right and then and the lessons to be learned from the others, like Wish was the same thing. It was on five times sales for a marketplace with like the lowest operating expenses I've ever seen. I think that business will have like free cash flow margins of 25, if not 30%. And it was cheap, you know, it was cheap three months ago on a relative basis. And now it's even exceptionally cheaper. So if you, if you use a 20 percent free cash flow theoretical free cash flow margin for wish at the moment it's on like a 15 times theoretical free cash flow which is really cheap uh for a company that's going like 20 20 to 30 percent still and this is just what it's like to invest in growth stocks just it's very volatile it's, it's emotionally tricky if you don't like it just go to etfs or value stocks the problem with value stocks is that at least me personally, there's not that many value stock type industries that I can fully understand. You know what I mean? Value stocks tend to be like minerals, mining, industrial chemicals, weird shit that I'm just not going to understand and aren't really that interested in investing in any way. I would never put my money into you know, these oil companies or whatnot. I just don't believe in it. But regardless, it's they're still technically difficult industries to get your head around that's why i like the clothing industry so much because it's one kind of value stock type industry that i can get my head around pretty well and there are a few others like hardware and weird little companies pop up here and there that can that tend to be in the value stock arena like even like rvs like winnebago and stuff they tend to be value stock type things definitely not at the moment they're definitely insanely overvalued but like all a lot of the consumer facing companies that we all know about and can get our head around unfortunately not a whole lot of them are in the value stock basket and so that's why a lot of the time you'll end up in the growth arena but again that's why i really liked a2 to begin with it was a value stock and growth and profitable it was great anyway that's it for this week those are the main lessons to have learned from the last few months. If you're upset, I get it. That's just that's just how the market works. You can quit now and just be one of those people who says, oh, I don't invest in stocks. It's risky. It's all manipulated. It's all bullshit, whatever. <laughs> 
And if and if it has been a hard time in the last few months with these big losses, again, if it makes you feel better, everyone has had a hard few months. Like the market might be up overall, but I'm telling you, a lot of investors are down and it's been really tricky and everything has just been getting absolutely smashed. And it's okay. Just ride it out. It'll recover. Stuff will change. Just keep at it. That's all I got to say. All right. I will see you next week. Apologies for the missed week. Bye.